Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk again. And what's so neat is today is Group Launch Sunday, and it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. And so what we want to do is we want to culminate the series we just did. And as we talked about some assembly required, we talked about that God's plan for us is to gather together, and not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. And so we're going to be launching today our groups and so we love for you to get connected into one of our groups and so we're going to talk more about that this morning so hopefully over the next few moments together now we're going to inspire each other to connect into our groups so growing up man i always wanted to be uh, andy vance like so i grew up in pittsburgh and i was an andy vance like fan and so th- um this is a bit sunburned a bit but um, I have this in a box with all of these cards. I probably have uh, several thousand cards, if not maybe close to 10,000 cards. And I wanted to be a professional baseball player growing up as a kid. Man, I wanted to be Andy Van Slyke. I wore the number 18. I played center field. And I chewed my gum like Andy did. Like I wanted to be Andy Van Slyke. That's what I wanted to be. And maybe for you, you wanted to be a professional athlete, or maybe for you, you wanted to be the president, or a doctor, or a teacher, or a mom, or a dad, or a Navy SEAL. I have no idea, but we all have this vision when we're kids of what we want to do when we grow up. There's nothing wrong with that, because I think we all know this. We would all agree that we all want to be known for something. We want to be known for something. And if you're like, well, I really don't know what I want to be known for. If you just look at your social media accounts, you'll be able to know who you follow and why you follow them. And maybe that will give you a hint of how you would describe yourself or what you want to do, what you want to be known for. And so that is the question. If we all want to be known for something, what do we want to be known for? Like today, tomorrow, and at the end of your life, what do you want to be known for? What do you want your kids, what do you want your friends to to talk with you or talk about you at the end of your life. What do you want to be known for? I'll be a bit vulnerable. Um, I want to be smart and successful. I mean, I'm a guy who scored an 890 on his uh, SATs. There's a story behind there, including a girl, but beyond that, a story for another time. So I have a lot of shame, the fact that I scored an 890 on my SATs. I mean, guys, I got my name right. I think I got like half the math problems right. That is not good. I worked really hard. I did really well on my ACTs. I was able to get into college. But always carried that, the fact that, man, I scored so low on my SATs. So I want people to see me as smart. I want to see people see me as successful. At the end of my life, I want people to say that I was a great husband and a great father, that I was present, that I was a provider, that I was a protector. Like, I want them to say that about me. And I'm a guy that was a captain of his football team. I played quarterback. We went to the national level. I mean, we were pretty good. And, and I wanted people to think of, okay, if this is who I am. Yeah, this guy, Tom Brady, right? It, problem is, I'm not like him. I don't drink a gallon of electrolytes first when I when I first wake up in the morning. I don't have a Super Bowl ring. I, I'm not like him. Instead, I'm more like this guy. Yeah, Adrian Monk, where I'm, I'm compulsive. I have a tendency to not have my things touched when I eat. 
I like things a particular way. I pretty much wear the same clothes every week. I like things a certain way. For the people who know me, they know that I'm more like this guy. Fact is, I think all of us carry a little bit of shame. We carry a little bit of guilt, guilt of what we've done before, or how we haven't measured up. And so let me ask you this. What do you do when you don't measure up to you? The ideals that you have, the adjectives that you would want people to describe you as, when you don't live up to that, what do you do? And I believe that we do several things. We, we pretend. We fear what other people think of us. Or we're ashamed of what other of what we think of ourselves. <laughs> you know the best place people pretend? It's church. I mean, they are going off at each other in the car, right? You're yelling at your kids, you're yelling at your spouse. I can't believe you beep. And then all of a sudden you get out, and there's bu- brother Bob, and like, how are you doing? Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. It's like we're praising the Lord Paul all of a sudden. It's the weirdest thing that we just feel like we have to pretend. And then we not only pretend, but we make excuses. We tell others that something has come up. We mislead people. We manipulate. We try to change the details of the story to make us look like the hero instead of the zero. Some of us, we try to manage our image. And the problem with managing our image is that it's imaginary. Social media has allowed us to copy and paste the best details of our life for the world to see. But guys, it's impossible to be the husband, to be the wife that you are created to be, that you need to be when you're imaginary. It's impossible to be real when you are imaginary. I think so many of us, man, we have to feel like we're on at all times. And guys, that puts a lot of pressure on us. And when pressure increases, stress increases. And I don't know about you, but for me, when pressure increases, when stress increases, I'm not top of my game. Guys, there are some things, I feel weak. I don't feel as sharp. And what happens is I'm weak to give in to temptation. I'm willing to do some things that I never thought I would do because pressure has increased, stress has increased. So I'll make mistakes. I'll sin. I'll offend God. I'll hurt other people. Guys, when we start pretending, we stop growing. When we start pretending, we stop growing. The fact is, when we're not growing, it's impossible to move ahead. It's impossible to mature. When when something is growing, I, I think you would agree, it's dying. When something's not growing, it's dying. And at the heart of the gospel... Jesus rose again to give life to dead people, to give spiritual life to you, and to give spiritual life to me, who were spiritually dead. It's impossible to experience spiritual growth without being made alive by Jesus. But for those who have been made alive by Jesus, it's important that we continually to grow spiritually. But guys, that's impossible when we are pretending to be complete. We're pretending to have it all together. And maybe this will inspire you because we try to hide our mess. God's mercy is greater than your messy. God's mercy is greater than your messy. Guys, the imaginary you is nothing like you. And if people like the imaginary you, 
They, they really don't like you because they really don't know you. They like the imaginary you, but no one really knows you. Guys, if we are to be known for something, if we want to be known for something, then we have to be known by someone. We have to be known by someone. We have to, because who else is going to tell our story? Who else is going to tell the stories at our funeral? Who? We have to be known by someone. And so God, what I love is that he gives us a place to do that, and that's the local church. The space where I should be free to be me is the church. And so early on in the, in the New Testament, you have people struggling with this. Man, they're on the struggle bus just like we are. And so a few of the writers in the New Testament, the early church leaders, they write about this. They write about how we can grow spiritually, how we can experience spiritual growth. And it's about being real. And so this is James, Jesus' half-brother, and this is what he says. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, think about that first part. Like, that's very difficult. Confess your sins to each other. Like, yeah, I could do that to God, but he wants me to confess it to to other people. Now, it's incredibly awkward to go up in church and go to a stranger and just say, hey, you know what, I'm really struggling with this, and you fill in the blank. That's not what he's saying. And so I'm going to show this clip. These are our friends at Dude Perfect. And they had people do some awkward things in public. So take a look at this. Go into the middle store and yell, I just use the big potty as loud as you can. No, you're good. I, I'll offer it to somebody else. I just feel like you'd be no, the per- no, perfect I mean, guy for it. No, you got it, I'll do it. I don't All mind. All right, we got it. Attention, everybody. I just used the big boy potty. <laughs> <laughs> I just used the big potty. <laughs> <laughs> I would need you to wear this microphone and I need you to go up to strangers and say I love you and let that awkwardness just sit and then you gotta wait until somebody says I love you back. I love you guys. Well like why? For what you mean, like I just love you guys. Appreciate it. That's what we're here for. <laughs> but you walk through that little hallway back here mm-hmm. and then you come out on all fours barking like a dog. I will pay for your cart. <laughs> Pete shirt that's walking. Tell him I love you and then get down on one knee. Oh, I'll pro- propose to him in a heartbeat. Would you really? I love you. Will you marry me? What? How's it going? Love you. Love you, man. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. You from here? No, ma'am. Okay. I love you guys, though. Well, we love you. You do love me. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> Did you get an I love you back? Got it. We love you. We love you. Well, thankfully, we don't have something like this at church, right? We don't have it after Nicole or Allison or Jeff. They do sort of the vision moment. They're like, okay, guys, we're going to have everybody stand up and kind of go around the room. And yes, it might take about 15 minutes, but we're going to have everybody share where they sin this week. I mean, how incredibly awkward and ineffective that is. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Where's the best place that happens? In a small group, in a trusted environment. One of the things our group leaders will tell their groups, what, sta- what is said in group stays in group. The fact is, it's like Vegas. What is done in Vegas stays in Vegas. Same thing with group. It should be a safe, 
trusted space to be vulnerable, to confess, and then also to pray. Because then you experience healing. The truth will set you free. Okay. We, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but the author of Hebrews writes this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Fact is, I want to isolate, I want to be like that imaginary self, right? And the way that I'm motivated to grow spiritually is to put that aside and be part of my group. And they motivate me, man. They inspire me to acts of love and good works. They encourage me. And then Paul, he writes this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if, if any believer is overcome by sin, by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Now, Paul, not only did he start churches, but when he started those churches, he created a culture in those churches. And that culture was, we need to support people who have been surprised or overcome by sin. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches where that does not happen. There's a lot of judgmental attitude or judgmentalism that is going on. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had this experience growing up in church that you got, you got like the old, right, the old church lady, right? You got Mildred, and she's constantly looking at people why because she doesn't know the story she doesn't know what they've been dealing with and what happens the gossip train goes so he says look there's going to be people in your church that have been overcome by sin there's going to be people in your group that have been overcome by sin but you need to help that person get back on the right path we need accountability then he says and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. This idea that we're to be like Christ. So Jesus says, and he gives this invitation, he says, take my yoke upon you. He's like, let me walk with you through what you're going through. The difference between Jesus and us is the fact that Jesus can handle everyone's burdens. But he is asking us to be like him, the law of Christ, that is, Love others as I have loved you. So help us, he's helping us understand, even though we may not be able to do everybody's burdens, we may not be able to share in everybody's burdens, we can at least share on someone's burdens, share with someone. Sometimes that might mean that I need to put off binge watching some Netflix show and I need to be on the phone with so-and-so. Talking with them as they're explaining their depression, because, because burdens are like could be three different categories: one, hardships, losing a job; it could be afflictions of, of a soul; it could be depression, or it could be the heaviness that one's been given to carry, like their son or daughter has cancer. And what we are called to sacrifice some of the things that we want to do and come alongside and help them, and by doing so. We are living that agape love, that selfless, sacrificial love. Some of us are too ashamed to be honest. Guys, I hope this inspires you. See, God accepted you the way that you were so that he can transform you into who he wants you to be. God accepted you the way you were, but 
so that he can transform you into who he wants you to be. Guys, we believe that the best way we experience God's transformation is through a group of people who are being transformed by God. When you're around a group of people who are growing, you will grow as well. When you guys are pursuing God together, you will find spiritual growth. Look, we believe that growth can happen in rows, but we believe it best happens in circles. And this is where life happens, man. This is where someone can pray for you. This is where someone says, hey, me too. It's a place where someone is open about their struggles. It's a place where God uses other people to speak truth in your life, to help you make some really good decisions, some really wise decisions, so that you can become who he wants you to be. And that is like Christ. Um, I'm not sure how this will sit with you, but over the last few months, I've had people come up to me and they've given me what would be called like a prophetic word. And these are two older ladies who have a lot of respect for. And both of them said that they see our new facility being a place where hundreds and hundreds of people come throughout the week. That's exciting. That really is. Now, will that come true? I have no idea. But what I do know and what our leadership knows and the thing that we're committed to is this. We are committed to being real church over big church. Real church over big church. The emphasis for us will be circles over rows. Because we believe that a circle is a place of acceptance with the commitment to improve. People who go to a group and attend group want to be there because they know what it's doing to their spiritual growth. It's a catalyst for their spiritual growth. For those who've never been in a group before, many of our groups, um, once we get back in a meeting together in a room, not just online, one of the things that we've done a lot of is that we eat together um, or we'll eat snacks together or we'll have a meal together. Um, we discuss the message or we discuss a curriculum together and then we pray together. Now, one of the coolest things that the women's group, what they do is that uh, they take a post-it note and everyone gets one and they write someone's name and they pass, kind of pass it around and then someone gets someone's name and they pray for that person through the week They'll text them during the week. Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Or they send them a word of encouragement. You know, we need that. And I'll be honest. The imaginary you doesn't have time for a group. It doesn't. It would be a waste of time. But the real you needs a group. About 10 years ago, I received a phone call from a guy. This guy started attending our small group and he opened up after a while. He opened up about his struggles. He has an addiction. And so he calls me and he says, man, I just found out that I'm being deployed to Iraq. He's like, what I need you to do, if you're comfortable with it, I need you to call me on Wednesday of every week. He's like, don't tell me when you're going to call me but just call me. Here's a phone, and I'm not sure how all that works, but anyway, I, I called that number on Wednesday, and I changed it up each week. I changed up when I was going to call him, 
And he says, I want you to know the reason why I need you to call me and why I'm asking four other people to call me throughout the week is because I don't want to stumble when I'm away from my wife. I don't want to do things that I'm going to regret. I don't want to have to stand in front of my kids and say, man, I blew it with your mom when I was overseas fighting for this country. He's like, I want you to call me and I want you to ask me questions on how I've been doing. Did I protect my eyes? Did I go to scripture? I need you to do that. Will you consider doing that? I said, man, absolutely. And so we had those conversations. And can I tell you, he came back from that tour, from that deployment, so spiritually mature, it was like he was a different person. The only way that he was able to do that was that he was willing to be known by someone. And he was willing to live out James 5.16, that he was willing to confess his sins. He had someone pray for him over the phone. And that led to his healing. Guys, nothing beats being in a group. And so this is the time now. We're going to open this up for you. You can just go to southridge.us slash groups and just click the button, find your group, and we have our groups ready, waiting for you. Love you guys. Heavenly Father, thank you for this unique opportunity to talk about groups. And God, that is the, that's our heart as, as leaders in our church, that we're just not a group. We're not just a church with groups. We are a church of groups. And so, Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name that those who are afraid to be known would, would sign up for a group. I pray for those who are struggling with their identity, that, Father, you remind if they have accepted Christ, that their identity is in Christ. Remind them that they don't have to pretend to be someone that they're not because their relationship with you has been restored because of what Jesus has done for them. So, Father, I do ask that the Holy Spirit would move would encourage people, would motivate people to sign up for a group. And we just pray for our small group leaders as they prepare for this new season of groups. I just ask that you encourage them, you inspire them, you motivate them to dig deep into your word so they are able to walk alongside other people, that you give them the foundation they need to handle the things they're going to be handling over the next season. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be in what we call groups. In Jesus' name, amen.